there is indeed power in the name of Jesus and there's cleansing power in his blood uh, the scripture tells us that when we read Isaiah that he was wounded for our sins or transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed we are in this little assembly here in Mississauga and this particular church building we've been here almost 25 years um, I talked to this church last week about some of the miraculous things that God did in my own life right in this church I remember uh, one morning when we had our tape room downstairs on the Saturday morning I came on in and uh, you know I normally come alone and I have a buzzer on the door front door and so when I'm sitting there and somebody comes through the front door it would buzz well that morning it was Saturday morning no one uh, I didn't hear the buzzer but I heard footsteps coming down a lady's uh, footstep coming down the stairs going to the basement and so I said okay maybe someone the tenants coming in and maybe the buzzer didn't work and then when I uh, hear the footsteps coming and not slowing down I rolled my chair back and looked towards the door and there was a, a black lady very elegant black lady I remember her unto this day how she looked and that was many many years ago her hair was combed back she was dressed with a pants suit and uh, she was very decent she had a long coat that covered you know upright almost up to almost about six inches above her knee and she turned around and looked at me and smiled and she kept on going and she was going to continue walking in the dark because the only room that was lit was the one I'm sitting in and I turned around and I said oh maybe she does not know where the switches are because the tenants don't normally come through the front and I followed when I went to follow her there was no lady I went down I opened the back door no lady lady was gone and then I said that's strange and came back and I sat and those were one of the many stories that make my life up and I came back and sat down and then the beeper sound and I got up and I went now I decided to go to the door so I went up to the door and there were two it was summertime two officers of the law geared with guns more than normal they had this uh, each one had a, this short little uh, what their young people would say wicked looking gun a short gun hanging over their shoulder and their side holster with a, a revolver there and both came in and stood up there and this, I said hi they said are you a part of this church as I'm the pastor they said did you see an armed man come on in he just robbed the taxi and this is the only place he would come probably rush on in I said no I did not see an armed man I just saw a black lady came down they said no an armed guy he's armed and dangerous and they said lock your door so I went and I locked the door and they left then I came back and I sat down and I thought if that armed robber had come on in he would not have left me alive because officers were after him 
and he would have shot me. I would not have been left alive. So who was this lady that came on in uh, prior to the police officers? Well, I honestly in my heart believed it was an angel of God. Really? Really? Not that I deserved protection, but God is good, and I, I felt it was an angel. I should not have died on that day. And there were so many instances. Brother Joe McCormick is sitting at the back, and Brother Joe, remember the incident of the, of the scaffolding. We put a scaffolding just behind here, uh, to try to cut the branch off one of those big trees. We went up 15 feet. Each scaffolding level is five feet. So it went up 15 feet and then we had the rails on top. And Brother Wayne Isaacs, he was on top of the tree with his chainsaw. And so I'm there while he's cutting instead of me getting down back to the bottom. And you know, when you cut a branch, you expect the branch to go that way, right? It got the branches got hooked with the other branches of the tree and it decided to come this way and with that heavy part he was cutting off it knocked the scaffolding and uh, the scaffolding was like that I'm standing I'm standing I'm here at the side of it on the top and the scaffolding got knocked this way and so it went this way and if it had continued to the ground I would have broken my chest because the planks would have been the impact. You'd think 15 feet coming down and it'll break my chest. So the branch swung this way and then it swung back this way. And a little hole like this, a rotten hole, there's Brother Joe. His heart was in his mouth at that time because he's looking at all of this happening. A little hole like that, a rotten section of that branch came back and stuck. So the pole on top the scaffolding, the wheels on this side was gone, and it brought it back to a standing position like that. I didn't jump, but God spared my life. And it's just two little stories I'm telling you because of a limited time. But God, I'm alive today because God has kept me alive. And uh, you're alive because God has kept you alive. You might not have even understood how many times you could have died and God spared your life. Not because you're good or because I'm good, but because he needs to finish a work in your life and that's why you're here today. No one is here today by accident because I believe God is sovereign and even an accident is not an accident in God's sight. As we gather here today, we are wrestling not against, we're not wrestling not against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities and powers of darkness. And that lady last night, she got affected negatively because her spirit was not right, and she was coming in with the wrong attitude and her demons. And I looked at her and thought, I said, it's not, this is not the same lady I met a few days ago. She looked like she is on drugs, but it was not on drugs, it was under the influence of demons. And she was ravenous, and she was back to tell us she wanted to teach this church. 
And I don't know if she did not realize where she landed. But I told her, I said, I'll never let you teach this church. She was telling Brother Sam about conspiracy theories and all of this. But you know, God has said, we're a simple congregation and we must understand that we must be built in the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And the messages that we receive from this pulpit Sadly, we have a whole Bible that individuals can run to. But we must come to a place where the messages, now listen to me carefully, the messages we receive from this pulpit, the statements, are to be taken seriously. And if I, if I was Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah would not be able to write what he was telling the people. Somebody was there to write what Jeremiah was saying, so it could be kept as recorded. Not the person writing for Jeremiah would not be writing what Isaiah said. The lesson we taught on Wednesday was having the form of sound words. How it is said, how it is kept, how it is promoted. And it is important because I wrote uh, uh, three letters, I think I wrote, and one, I think it's um, uh, a letter that is sitting somewhere there, Brother Sam, that the top one, the one just on the top out of those uh, set of letters that's sitting there, uh, the, the top one. Um, one of these, I wrote a few letters, and um, this one here uh, was a letter I wrote to the prison that we put it in a format and it became um, a little booklet that we can use. Now listen to me carefully. If I die and I'm gone, this would be scripture. What's in there does not contradict the Bible. Uh, like when Matthew wrote, he didn't contradict Malachi. Like when Paul wrote, he was writing regular letters it did not contradict what happened before. But he was building on a foundation, and I'm standing on a foundation, but this building has a foundation. You see this building, it's a very strong building. It's a high building, it's a heavy building. Uh, but the foundation that we are standing on, that this building is put on, you have never seen it. And you will never see it. But it has brought safety, and security to every one of you in this building. When a storm comes through, this building cannot rock easily. It is solid. That concrete that the, the, the carpet is on is solid. It takes but a sound forever to drill through that to get a wire through to the bottom. Uh, it is solid. And so the foundation is important. Uh, yesterday's truth becomes today's foundation. Today's truth, and I have this letter here that I'm mentioning to you, it's called Discipleship, a Dying Concept. Sent to the prisoners, we had some brothers in prison. I don't know, Brother Terry, were you in prison at that time? When I sent this letter? Uh, Brother Joe, were you in prison at that time? I sent this letter. And I sent it to prisoners, uh, they be had, we, there was one time I baptized about six individuals in prison. 
And uh, not everyone who baptized would be saved, but the elect um, managed to survive. And we have Brother Joe McCormick, and we have Brother Terry Tombran, and we have uh, Brother Kirk that called this morning uh, to tell us he has been relocated. And we have Brother Bob. Um, and it was, there was a lot of things that transpired when we were going. But today's truth will become tomorrow's foundation. And it will be sad to know that you sit there while today's truth is being given. Our brother John's favorite word, dispensed. Uh, he, you're sitting there while the word of God is going forth and you take it for granted. And you fail to realize that 10, 15, 20 years from now, if the Lord tarries, this would become a valuable information for a young man building a church in those days. That's how scripture is formed. It's formed by words of God being preached and it slowly becomes a scripture. Now, somebody might translate it into some different language and tamper with the true uh, meaning and interpretation. Today, we must be able to stand on a solid foundation uh, that we would not easily be moved. Uh, Jesus made a statement in Matthew, the uh, seventh chapter, and he says that he that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, uh, let me find that here. He says, <clears throat> verse, uh, verse uh, 20, uh, 20, 24, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, not only hear, but incorporate these sayings of Jesus in their lives. And he says, he that heareth these sayings of mine, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, uh, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock or a solid foundation. Uh, it is important that your life is not built on chaff or a fickle foundation, but a solid foundation. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, one of the remarkable churches that I think when John the Apostle, who was not martyred, uh, was the only one, uh, maybe one of two disciples not martyred, I was told, according to history, John spent his last days in the church at Ephesus and they said that Timothy was the pastor. I would not want to pastor a church where John is sitting at the back and he says okay young man carry on I'm too old to preach but carry on. I'll tremble brother John uh, if if John the Apostle is sitting in my congregation but he was an aged man and he writes to this church, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, and he tells them that the ministry, he says the ministries are given to the church. And he gives some, verse 11, apostles, and some pastors, and some evangelists, and some, sorry, I'm missing it, apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now, I know a lot of individuals, and I don't want to get into discussion on this, have made that into a fivefold ministry. A whole fellowship sometimes says, well, that's fivefold ministry apostle, prophet, 
pastor, teacher, and evangelist, fivefold. Well, I would not make a big deal out of that because this is the only place in the New Testament where fivefold ministry is mentioned. Uh, if I leave that and go back into Corinthians and uh, follow with me here, I'm a preacher, I, I jump all over the place. And um, in 1 Corinthians, I think I want, and chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing in verse 28. He says, and God has given some in the church. Uh, here is the same Paul writing, the one he wrote to Ephesus, and this he is writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, God has given some in the church, first apostles, and secondarily prophets, and thirdly teachers, and then after that miracles and gifts of healing, gifts of healing and helps and governments and diversities of tongues, and he lists more than five. So who do I believe? Uh, do I believe what he said to the church at Ephesus, uh, where he mentions five, or do I say, uh, I believe when he wrote to the church at Corinth and mentioned more than five? Well, I would not disbelieve any. I will say that he did not say he gave fivefold ministry. No, I would say he gave apostles, and he gave prophets, and he gave all of these things to the church. The scriptures that don't contradict each other, it is individuals that try to dis, 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 uh, interpret this scripture contradict each other. As a matter of fact, some gone overboard when they said David went to fight Goliath. And when David went by the brook, he picked up five stones, five stones. And that is symbolic to the church fighting the enemy uh, with a fivefold ministry. And it said five stones. Well, how much did he use to kill the giant? Well, that messes up that theory. He only used one stone to kill the giant, not five. So that messes up that theory. Then another one they said when Elijah was uh, uh, praying for God to send rain, uh, that his servant went out, Elisha, right? His servant went out and looked up and he saw a cloud, uh, of a cloud coming there waiting for rain. Didn't have rain for a while. And he saw a cloud coming that looks like a man hand. You ever saw a cloud look like that? Yes. So a cloud looking like a man's hand, I believe that's how it looked. It wasn't five fingers sticking up. I believe that's how it looks, just like a man's hand, not big, but it was about to bring rain. And so when Paul is writing these letters and he's talking about here in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, he says, and he gives some apostles, verse 11, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry and the edifying of the en entire body of Christ. Uh, how, why is the purpose? How long should the ministry preach? Let's read it. Till or until, until every one of us in the body, until we all come into the unity of the faith. If I believe there is one in the Godhead and Brother Joe believed there's two in the Godhead and Brother Terry believed there's three, and Brother Sam believes there's five, and Brother John believes there's seven, we're not united. If I've got the Holy Ghost, and Brother Sam's got the same Holy Ghost, we would not differ in the interpretation of Scripture. Uh, I believe the Holy Ghost is helping the ministry 
to bring the church into common unity. We cannot believe in diversity of doctrines and feel we are in one body. The head, Christ, will give us doctrines that will relate with each other. So would God send a man in the city preaching, uh, five men in the city preaching contrary to each other and all five are sent by God? I don't believe so. I believe all five may not be sent of God, but when God send men out, uh, he, will send, he would equip their minds with the truth and they will promote the same kind of concept. But what's the purpose of the church? Well, he gave them apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers for the entertaining of the saints. So we can build social clubs. So we can come and have a jolly good time. No, uh, he gave the ministry to help God's people to develop stability. Stability. This building is strong because it's standing on a foundation. The stability of this building Depends a lot on the foundation it's standing on. Back in Guyana, we don't need all of this foundation. When we build a home uh, back in Guyana, uh, we build it on stilts, like, you know, columns, uh, little wooden columns going up. And guess how big the foundation is? That deep? That big. Each post has its own little foundation. And so when a hurricane comes, you go flying. You and the house and everything that's there, you go for a trip because the house is blown away. And uh, if that, not the hurricane floods will come in and that's why most of the homes are on stilts. Uh, you can't build basements in Florida because there's a solid rock area there and it's too close to the water. Uh, water would flood in if you can manage to build basements. Uh, wherever you're building, Climatic conditions in that area is necessary for you to build. We can't build the same kind of structure uh, like we build in Canada, uh, in Guyana, because we don't need that. Uh, we can't build the structures they build in Jamaica uh, back here in Canada. We can't do that. We have to consider where we are building and what is required and what are the elements we have to face that will oppose that structure. And that is why it is important that present truth be understood. The message we preach today should be designed to save our generation today. Kids today are different than we were when we were growing up. When we were growing up, we had a sense of responsibility that we developed. For me to be a school teacher when I was 16 years old, I had to develop a sense of responsibility. For me to enter into the ministry when I was 18 years old, go full time and trust God to preach the gospel as many places I can, I had to have maturity. I had to be able to know how to handle money and handle people and deal and uh, maturity was different and that kids were different and what we were exposed to was different. Today, your children have a challenge in their lives. And so parents, when you get a child today, it is your God-given responsibility to raise it right. To teach it when it is young. Train the child up not to be crooked when it is small, but to grow up right in the eyes of God so when it is old, it will not depart from it. 
If you fail to train that child and put certain elements in that child's life between ages one uh, to six or seven, you have already lost the battle. They are already uh, they are already molded into a form that will destroy them. And that is why today we have a greater challenge as a church. That is why today church attendance is of absolute importance. That is why, parents, you need to set good examples to your children. Don't tell them do and don't when you fail to set the example. The best advice you can give a child is a godly and good and mature example. When you set the example, if you're fickle parents, your children will be fickle. You can pray all you want. Your children will be fickle. There's Brother Hammond, my favorite Brother Hammond is there, uh, sitting at the back today. And I'm going to talk about hamburgers now. There is no way you come up for prayer and ask God to unclog your clogged arteries. If God knows when church is over, you'll go and have two Big Macs and an extremely large fry and cook. Well, I saw a man do that. This big guy went into, he went into McDonald's. He's a big guy. He got two burgers. He's got a little girl, girl small girl like that uh, with him. And he's got two burgers and a lot of fries. And he buys the Diet Coke. Now, if you're like that, God is not an idiot that he would heal you. You got to go under the knife of the surgeon. You have to have open heart surgery. But God can heal you if you make adjustments in your life. If you consider what you eat, what you're consuming physically, it is important and God will help you. You cannot violate the very principles of eating your dietary law. Israel, the first thing Adam told, uh, uh, God told Adam and Eve, he says, eat of all the trees of the garden except one. Why did they choose that one? When they had every other tree in the garden. Because man in his rebellion likes to go contrary to what God wants. Man would not like to be disciplined. And so the ministry is given. I'm here to tell you these things. Because in today's world, you're not living in Paul's day. You're living today. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have pornography. They did not have bookstores with materials that will ruin you. They did not have uh, video games and all of that's going on. And uh, they, the, today the evils have advanced. And so the message that we preach must relate to the day we're living in. And so what we're hoping when it's all over, that the message I preach would add stability to your life. And that I would be able, to the best of my ability, not to be preaching to you, but to be setting an example as best as I can, so you can follow. Am I perfect? No, not in the long shot. Do I have humanity still in me all the time? Do I, do I often say the wrong things? Well, occasionally. Now I'm better than before. Um, am I perfect? No, I'm not. But I'm perfect for the job God has called me to do. 
I'm perfect for the job God has called me to do. And so my job is to add stability to your life, but I can only tell you what to do. Your stability is dependent on your obedience to what I tell you. I can only tell you what to do. I can force you. You ought to know how to pray. You ought to know how to study the Word of God. And if you have needs in your life, and you fail to follow the very natural dietary principles of God in your life, then when your sickness comes and your grief comes and your turmoil comes, there's a scripture, I know time is running away with me here, but there's a scripture in, in Proverbs, I'm getting it quickly here if I can remember where it is. It's in the first part of Proverbs chapter five. And uh, Solomon is talking about wisdom and the lips of a strange woman that is society trying to tell us what to do he says he says um, remove he said a strange woman in verse 3 for our lips of a strange woman drop as honeycomb you see anytime you're out there the world is trying to capture you there's all kinds of things out there trying to capture you now Satan made me do it Listen, the devil can make you do nothing that you don't want to do yourself. Stop passing the buck on the devil. Uh, take responsibility for your own action. See, the devil can come on here, he can't make me do anything that I do not want to do myself. Get your hand in the cookie jar. Satan made me do it. No, he did not. He tempted you with your appetite, and it's you that did that. You're here today in church because Jesus made you come. Well, the sovereignty of God goes beyond human responsibility. But human responsibility brought you here. And I'm glad you're here. And Solomon says about this strange woman, this system that's working out. He says, verse 8, Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house, uh, lest you give your honor unto others and your years unto the cruel. He says the things that you got to do to avoid, don't give your strength out to an ungodly society. He says, let strangers be filled with your wealth. How many people becomes wealthier because of your carnal gullibility? Your carnal appetite for things and for your personal pleasure has made a lot of merchants out there rich because you did not know how to control yourself. I believe an overcomer can budget themselves. And you must be able to know what to do and what not to do in the natural world. What to eat and what not to eat in the natural world. And with everything, uh, caution is needed. Temperance is needed. Everybody say temperance. Temperance is needed because anything you can do in excess will destroy you. And it goes down here. He says, and uh, when you're suffering, and at last, verse 11, and the mourn at the last when your flesh and your bodies are consumed. You got all kinds of things. Listen, we all get old and we don't die because we're healthy. See, there's nobody here that will live forever in this world. No matter how you look good, 
No matter how you take care of yourself, one day old age will catch you and you'll die. Paul died. Abraham died. Isaac died. Some got blind before they died. That's okay. It comes with age. Not that God can't heal you or God can do otherwise, but we will all die. These days I'm planning for my, after I'm gone, what will happen to my family. It is important that we think about that. Every one of us sitting here that has a home or has responsibility should have a will already made out. If you don't have a will made out and you have family and you have children and all of that, you're lethargic. You need to get your act together and make one. Less, when you die, all that you have, if there's no proper documentation, the government will be pleased to take it. Brother Joe has a will in my office there. I have never opened the box. He got his will in a nice safety deposit, safety box with a lock, it's a lock on it, right? And he gave me the key. But I don't care to look at that now. If I know he's getting old and he's getting sick, we'll sit down and talk. Monday, I'm going out with you, right? Uh, we're going out for coffee on Monday. And so it says, uh, because you're suffering, it says, you have not obeyed, verse 13. Uh, you have not obeyed the voice of your teachers, nor inclined on th thine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of a congregation and an assembly. You can sit right here in this assembly and you're in the midst of all evil because your heart is somewhere else. Yes, Sitting in the church, everyone around you does not make you holy. You've got to live your life and be able to make yourself disciplined enough to serve God. So whether it's naturally or spiritually, well, it's what you eat physically or what you let your mind feed on. Your spiritual and physical de development is your responsibility. You sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. You sow to the spirit and you shall reap life everlasting. And it says here, that's why Solomon went on, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running water out of thy wells. Back to Ephesians 4. And the ministry is given uh, for the perfecting of the saints. It says here, uh, verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith unto a, the knowledge of the Son of God, personal experience with Christ, unto a complete man, how complete unto the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. When I see you, I'm not going to see old whoever you are. I'm going to see Christ coming up in your life. And you will see that in me as I grow older. You'll see Christ coming up. Listen, child of God, uh, don't complain when you get all kinds of problems in your life and in your body and in ask yourself have I taken care of this temple of God like I should don't blame the devil don't blame society don't blame anybody we are here and we take the responsibility see when God told Adam and Eve what not to do and God came on in and he said to Adam he says have you eaten of the tree he says the woman you give me and God walked over to the woman and says did you cause this she said the serpent made me and when God went to the serpent he says I did it because I did it the most honorable answer was from the serpent 
And God cursed him and cursed the ground. And so today you're listening to me and it's your responsibility to live for God. But we're to build stability in our lives. When we build stability in our lives, building stability in Christ. It means you have to pray. You have to read your Bible. You have to do what is necessary to build spiritual stability. Building spiritual stability. All right? Why? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. Well, they got a new fashion coming out. Boys, you can wear your pants, stitch it low on your underwear, and walk around. Now, I don't care what they do out there. I am dressed to suit God and please God. See, we made sacrifices to be where we are today. It didn't come hocus pocus. If you want to survive in this country, you have to make sacrifices. You got to learn to do without sometimes in order to accomplish something. And I've gone without sometimes to make somebody else happy. I've gone sometimes to that situation where I rob myself in order to make someone else happy. But you know, when that is over, who you think feels accomplished? I do. I'm not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every fashion out there. What I'm saying is that when Christ rebuilds stability physically and spiritually, nothing moves you. Well, I see my neighbor doing that. I don't care what my neighbor does. I do sometimes, see if they're doing the wrong stuff. But, but, fashions change, what's new? What's, you, you know there's a new show on TV? What do I care? Somebody called me and told me the TV just broke down. I said, good for you. Less stress. And today, I'm talking to this congregation. I'm saying we need to have stability. I need 10 minutes more of your time. But today, we need to develop stability that we're not tossed to and fro. And if all you people in this church get up and say, we don't like you, we're leaving. Ta-ta, I will miss you all, but you don't budge me. I read a book. And we all read a book sometimes. I still have a copy. It's called Man of Steel and Velvet. And sometimes a person takes their entire life to write a book. And you can read it in two weeks. Big book I'm talking about. They spend their life doing research. And you have the ability to read. If you don't like to read. I wouldn't tell you what's coming to my mind. You need to learn to read. And I read a book called Man of Steel and Velvet. And it tells you if you're to be strong, you have to be a man of steel. And when steel stands up, nobody moves you. Fashion, entertainment, nothing moves you. But when you put your hand out to shake someone, whether it's a child, the gloves you put on is a velvet glove. That they can hold on and don't feel intimidated. It's not cold and callous, but it's warm and tender. A woman, a child, a person in need, a person in distress, they can all touch you. And that's how Christians ought to be. 
when we we radiate Christ from our lives, we really radiate empathy and sympathy, long suffering, kindness, gentleness, meekness, it's all coming up. We have to learn not to talk about Christianity, but to live it. And when we incorporate his word in our lives, it will be like a man building his house upon a rock. When the winds come and the storms come and beat against it, it does not budge. Your faith becomes strong and not, nobody can shake you up easily. Not circumstances, not situations, not the world. Can you help work with God as you build some stability in your life? Here's the problem. Uh, back in Acts, I told you 10 minutes, right? Uh, two or three of those are gone already. In Acts, the early church, in Acts of the Apostles, uh, when they received the day of Pentecost happened and they uh, gladly received the word Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached and verse 41 says and they that gladly received the word were baptized and the same day they were added unto church uh, unto the group three about three thousand people now listen to me if 100 people come on into this church today and adds themselves to us and we look at the women coming in and all the women want to look like the women coming in you're fickle if people are coming in and they're coming in with fashions and designs and all kinds of things to change you you are a fickle church I've wasted my time preaching Why you dress like that? Well, I dress like this because I'm a pastor and I must set the example. But does it mean because I dress with a suit on, God's with me? Doesn't mean anything. Do you know you go to the morgue at a funeral home and everybody's dressed really nice. Even the dead man is dressed really nice. I would not dress less for God than I would dress to go to a funeral. I have my own principles serving God, preaching for over 54 years and serving the Lord since I was 12 years old. I honor God as a great king. Yes, and I would not reverence the prime minister more than I reverence God. But if the prime minister come, I'm not going to put him in the pew. I'll have a nice cheer up here if he comes to visit us, right? But he's not a good guy. Listen, he's a prime minister. Give him position. Give him the authority. You might not like him, and I might not like everything he does, but he's a prime minister. Give men the kind of honor that is due to them. If he's coming to tell me how to preach, I would tell him, lock the door and keep him out. No, I would have a chat with him and says, you're not going to do that. Someone was in the church recently and said they come to talk to this entire church. I said, not this church. Unless you're saved, you ain't talking to this church. Because I did my best, put my life to bring this church to where it is. And so when, when 3,000 were added to the church, here is the problem. When 3,000 were added, they were not all saved. They were coming in with circumcision. They were coming in. Priests were added. Uh, they actually said that in chapter 6 of the Acts of the Apostles. After Stephen uh, started to preach. 
and he started to exercise his ministry here in Acts the sixth chapter uh, when the seven men were appointed it says and the word of God verse 7 and the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and there was a great company of the priests that were obedient to the faith they came on in they followed the formalities but they were not saved because by, by the time we reach Acts 15 they were telling this, the Gentiles they all need to be circumcised and one of the problems we've got not only as a local church but as a fellowship here is a local church some of you from Africa some from Ghana some from South Africa some from Jamaica some from Trinidad some from Guyana some from India some from Pakistan we're from all over the place don't bring your customs and try to push them onto us in the body of Christ we're here to change you not you to change us and the problems with missionary the problems why we have so much of tomfoolery in the fellowship is because missionaries go overseas and when they go to a country they see what the people are doing and they try to bring that back into the church you can't build the body of Christ on such junk the Lord told Israel he says when you go into the land of Canaan when you're leaving the land of Egypt leave the Egypt behind their customs, their traditions, leave them behind. And when you get into the land of Canaan, don't take on the ways of the people that are in Canaan. Because I want you to know, because of their, their ways, I spew them out. And the reason why iniquities on the rise in the midst of our churches today, in the body of Christ, is because missionaries go overseas and bring the traditions of the people from the third world countries and from God knows where and bring them back and say that they're having a jolly good time there let's do it we're not going to do that as I continue and I get older and my life is coming close to an end I'm going to be more stubborn and obstinate when it comes to the things of God and the principles of God I would not change because you got goosebump when you were visiting the islands let us build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Building stability, spiritual stability should become a priority. And so when I'm seeing someone customs we've got, when we have a, a custom coming in, I'm going to ask, where did that come from? I've done that. I've gone to leading ministers in this fellowship and said, do you know where we got that from? And they smile. You know, every, a lot of people think I'm an idiot. Uh, I look at a video one time, I'm getting up in a meeting, and when I get up, all the preachers on the platform behind me, except one brother, got depressed. And I imagine if Jeremiah was getting up, they'll all get depressed. If Isaiah was getting up, they'd all get depressed. And I preach a gospel that sanctifies me. Well, I preach against the Pharisees, but next month I'll go with the Pharisees on a trip to the islands. You gotta be kidding. When I preach against a system, I preach against the system. 
I don't hobnob with it. The pulpit is not the only place that I promote my ideology. When I leave the pulpit, my life promotes what I preach. And that is important. You know, one day, last little story. One day, Isaac was getting old. And I believe he was almost senile. You know, old man. And two of the brothers one day, his sons, Esau, um, Isaac, Jacob and Esau, were two sons. Esau was a rough man, goes out in the field, work hard and then come back. Isaac, um, um, Jacob was a guy, stayed home. You know, help mama cook. And one day, Esau came home quick from a hard job in the field and he smelt the lentils that his brother was cooking. And Esau said to Jacob, can I have a bowl of that? And Jacob smiled and he says, if you sell me your birthright, I'll give you this bowl of soup. And a hungry man didn't care about the birthright. You see, Jacob was called trickster because he wanted his brother's bless, the father's blessing on him rather than the brother. And a man sold his birthright for some food. How cheap is your salvation? What would you sell your salvation up for? Can anyone buy you? Can you be purchased? I could be preaching a hard gospel here and then after church somebody purchased me. They give me a good offering. But Joe comes up and he give me $5,000. That would be the day, Brother Joe. Give me $5,000. And he says, here, Brother Singh, this is for you. You know what happens next week? I will preach more to save you because you're making an investment. I'm not going to come. You know, well, Brother Joe, that's okay. Let's go have some beer and a beer joint. No. You make a sacrifice. The, you bear fruit, God will purge you that you bear more fruit. And I've got that attitude. I cannot be easily purchased. Don't buy me. Don't try to buy me. And that's a system that we have to understand because if we're to build spiritual stability, we must have a revelation that goes with us, not only in church, but outside of church. May God help us. It is nice talking to you today, and um, I pray that God would help us, that we build spiritual stability in our lives. We can title the tape, Building Spiritual Stability. We title a message after we finish preaching, because we don't know what we'll preach until we get to preaching. Amen? So God bless you, and um, let me see here.